is extremely hot. Hotter than, uh, yeah. So, Oscar, why don't you turn it down just a tad bit? Testing one, two. Awesome. Well, I have a box of candy here, right? Hmm. What? Why did I bring a box of candy up here? Hmm. 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 I'm not, let me see. Oh, oh, wait, wait. Okay. Now I remember why there's candy up on the podium. Okay, so the month of December, Daryl Spirit headed something very special. And uh, does anybody remember what it was? The food drive. Right. So if you brought can't, uh, not can't. If you brought food to the food drive, you donated some cans, some food, whatever. Doesn't matter if you're a leader, if you're a youth, whoever you are, come up and get you some special treats for the uh, for 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 donating. And give them a hand as they come up. Ariel, I know you did. Come on, you can get more. Woo, Jennifer. Woo, awesome. Awesomeness. There you go, Josie. Elijah, I love you, bro. Amen. I'm, I'm grateful for you, too. Go back to your seat. Um, Jay, you did not get... Um, bro, I did. Um, bro, nothing. All right. Security, Will. <laughs> um, you can take as much as you want. Also, if you, if you uh, bring any first-time visitors, you get candy, too, which I have a special announcement, but I'm going to save that for later. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. Amen. Awesome. Stephanie, you can get some. While they're taking their uh, candy from the bucket, um, I want to have Jason come up here really quick. He's going to share a quick testimony. God's been, uh, you can give it up for Jason too. Yep, amen, amen. God's been giving him a lot of inspiration for this new year of 2018 of things he wants to see God do in his high school. And uh, I just want him to share a little bit about that. And after he gets done, we're going to pray for him and uh, share his high school and then all the other schools that are represented here. So Jason, why don't you share what's on your heart? All right, so I know that a lot of people here are partnered with NSP. All of y'all in high school that are evangelizing, come on, come on, yeah. Um, so my meeting, we plan to give out 1,500 life books to each and every single student insurers, or at least we would talk to as many people and try to spread the gospel like fire, you know. But, well, Lauren's pretty much freaked out when I texted him, hey, can I, can I get a, a couple of life books, bro? Oh, how many? 1,500. And he, um, pretty much I was embarrassed, but, you know, I'm going to get 200 life books, and I think that is a realistic number. But what I really had in my mind is that, you know, God is pointing me up for a lot of stuff. I'm going to have a rally at the 31st of January. And <clears throat> pretty much I'm a little, I'm a little concerned because I've, I've been evangelizing in my classes and in the lunchroom and in the hallways and stuff, and I still think it's a... A little bit tough so I'm gonna ask that you guys join me in praying that you know CPS or like whatever schools y'all go to that you know everyone's hearts get softened you know that they'll they'll be able to absorb and hear the hear the gospel as it is you know guys so Jason, why don't you stay up here? why don't we all stretch out our hands towards Jason right now um, Father God, we thank you for what you're doing in Shures High School. God, we thank you that you're using Jason there to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that souls would be saved in Shures High School, God. I pray that lives would be transformed, God. We pray that the demonics hold, God, and, and lies of the devil, God, would be broken off of Shures, Lord God. That they'd stop, stop walking around depressed, God. That they'd stop walking around angry. That they'd stay, stop walking around violent, Lord God. And all these different uh, lust and all these different things inside of their hearts, God. Re release deliverance, God. Break those things off, God. And I pray that the gospel would go forth, God, and set those lives free. And use Jason in that and also the other schools represented here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Awesomeness. Well, if we can all turn to... The book of Exodus, we're going to throw it back a little bit to the second book of the Bible, the Old Testament here. Exodus chapter 3, we're going to be going through the whole chapter and then a little bit of chapter 4 as well, if I can get verse 1 on the screen. The series we're going to be going into for this month of January is called Chosen. Everybody say Chosen. Chosen. You see, all throughout history, God has picked different people. He's chosen different people 
to do his bidding, to advance his kingdom, to proclaim the good news. As a matter of fact, in the New Testament, God says that he's prepared good works for everybody in advance for us to do. So in in, in a sense, we're all chosen to do God's work, and God has chosen each and every one of us to share the gospel, to proclaim the good news, to heal the sick, to pray for deliverance, right? We're all called to do that. We're all chosen to do that. But unfortunately, despite us all being called, despite us all being chosen, we don't always respond the right way, do we? Sometimes we respond in fear, in doubt, in unbelief. Sometimes we run away. Next week, we're going to be learning about Jonah. Ulysses is going to give that word. It's going to be powerful. Jonah chose to run away. You know what I'm saying? Um, the person I'm going to be talking about today in, in, in Exodus, Moses, he, he chose to kind of bicker with God because he didn't believe in himself. He was too insecure and thought that God had somehow messed something up when, 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 Mo, when God made the decision to choose Moses. Okay, there's different ways we can respond to God's call. There's different ways we can respond when God says, hey, Andrew, I want you to go to your mom or your dad, and I want you to tell them the, uh, the gospel. I want you to tell them that Jesus loves them, you know? Uh, we can respond different ways when God comes up to us and says, hey, Marco, go up to, you know, that one atheist in your school and tell them about Jesus, right? Amen, amen. Okay, all right, all right, all right, amen. We, there's different ways we can respond, and there's a lot of things that could come and, and, and kind of hinder that response and influence us in different ways. So I'm going to be talking about that today. Again, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. But before we do that, why don't we all bow our heads and close our eyes. Just pray for this service really quick. Um, God, I just thank you for what you're doing in this room, Lord. I thank you for the presence, God, even that powerful word that Ashley gave, God. We thank you that we're not alone, Lord God, and that you're always with us, God. And, we, and Holy Spirit, we invite you in this place. We ask you that your presence would come, God. I pray that you would arrest our hearts, God. Let there not be one heart, God, that is not engaged, God, with what you're doing in this room, Lord. We thank you that you're with us, God, and we thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper, God. Every devil has to go right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. So we thank you, God, that right now this is a place of deliverance, God. This is a place of freedom, Lord God, and you're going to do amazing things in this year of 2018 through us. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Awesome. So verse 1, verse 1, Oscar, if you can get that on the screen. Um, It says here, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now... Moses, it says, and he led the flock to a far side out of, or far side of the what? A little bit up there. What? The wilderness, exactly. So Moses was in the wilderness. He was kind of in the desert, in the middle of nowhere, and what was he doing according to the first few words here? He was tending what? He was tending sheep. He was tending his flock. You have this guy, Moses. He's with his sheep. He's in the wilderness. He's in the desert. He's just kind of wandering around. He comes to Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse 2, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. All of a sudden, he is just going about his everyday life. He's just doing what's normal for him to do, tending sheep, looking after, you know, his flock. He's in the desert. You know, it's probably hot. He probably had nothing to do that whole day. He was just kind of bored out of his mind. And then all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord comes to him and appears to him in, in flames of fire from within a bush. Next slide, Oscar. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Imagine you see a a bush on fire, and it's not turning into ash. It's not being, you know, disintegrated. It's still, you know, it's still on fire. It's burning, but it's not being consumed. The instant, the moment, you know, Moses saw this, he knew something was different. He knew this wasn't just a normal, everyday happenstance. This wasn't just some random, you know, something going on in the desert. He knew there was something different going on. And he goes up to it. He's like, this, this, this isn't right. How come the, the, the fire isn't consuming the bush? What's happening here? He goes forward to investigate. Verse 3, so Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to, to look, God called to him from within the bush. Who called to him? God. Everybody say God. God, yes. God called to Moses in the middle of this burning bush, right? I just love, I mean, there's, there's so much good stuff packed in this, in, in this chapter of chapter 3 and the encounter that God has with Moses. First off, just something to throw out there. Guys, who was the one reaching out to Moses? Who was the one trying to get Moses' attention? It was God. 
God instantly is the one who initiates the conversation. He's the one who initiates the encounter. He's the one that's reaching out to Moses. Even though Moses is just in the wilderness minding his own business, God steps in and tries to get his attention. He's trying to attract him. He's trying to show him, hey, I have something to tell you, right? God is the one who initiates this whole encounter. And he says, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Verse 5, do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Verse 6, then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham. Next slide, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. You see, Moses instantly recognized, wait a minute. This isn't just any normal sight anymore. This isn't just me looking at a, at a burning bush. God is in this place. His presence is here. God is talking to me. I need to, give his, I need to give him all of my attention right now. I have to look him in the eye. I have to, I have to give him my respect. I have to show him that, I, that, that I'm aware of, of him being with me right now. The, 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 he, 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 he hit his face because he was so just amazed and in awe. Like, wait a minute, God is talking to me. This is crazy. This is, I can't believe I'm, I'm in the presence of God. And so he hit his face. He was like, oh, my goodness, you know, I can't. I'm afraid to look at God. I don't want to disrespect him. You know, let me just kind of bow down and show him that I'm, I'm, I'm humble and I'm submitting to him, right? He had the fear of God, you know. Sometimes when God speaks to us, we think it's a joke, and we don't, and we don't really care about God talking to us, period. And we just want to do our own thing, and we, we ignore uh, God for like a Facebook status or a Snapchat, right? I got a Snapchat recently, by the way. You can add me. Amen. But sometimes we, amen, sometimes we ignore God for these little petty things that don't even really matter. But the moment Moses heard God, he instantly knew something was up, and he showed his respect to the Lord. He bowed down. He hid his face. He submitted to God in that moment because he was so in awe that, wow, God is talking to me here and now. Then in verse 7, it says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. Next slide. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So what's happening here is the people of Israel, they were a, uh, uh, a group of people way back then, uh, thousands of years ago, an ancient group, uh, the people of God, the people of Israel, um, and they were under this Egyptian rule, right? The Egyptians were over them, and they were their taskmasters. They, they kind of treated the Israelites as slaves. They beat them. They made them do hard labor. They were, you know, just very cruel to the Jewish people. They were, in a sense, maybe to give a better idea, they were kind of racist to them. They saw that they were Jewish, that they were Israelite, and they treated them harshly. They, 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 they had no rights. They, didn't, they couldn't speak up. They couldn't have these certain positions because they were Jewish, because they were the Israelites, right? And so the Egyptians were tormenting them, were treating them cruelly, were oppressing them. And it says that the people of Israel were miserable, and they began to cry out to the Lord. These people of Israel were so tormented, were, were being attacked, and were harshly treated. They began crying out to God saying, God, can you send somebody to save us? Can you send somebody to deliver us? My, our situation is so terrible. It's so bad. I'm so miserable. Lord, we need a deliverer. We need to be taken out of this situation. God, I ask you that you would set us free. Get rid of this oppression from the Egyptian people. And the Israelites are crying out to God. They're lifting up prayers. They're, you know, they're, their families are dying. They're, their aunts, their uncles are being beat to death. And they're saying, God, how much longer do we have to deal with this? They're lifting up their voices. They're crying out to God saying, Lord, we need somebody to come into this situation and set us free and take us out of Egypt. And so what God is telling Moses is he's saying, hey, you know what? I've heard their cry. I've seen their injustice. I've seen the torment that they're going through. I know what, what's happening down there, and I'm concerned about it. Look at this, guys. Do, do we all understand this right here at the top of the verse right there? Before verse 8, it says, and I am concerned about their suffering. You see, God is concerned about people's suffering. He sees what's going on. He sees the cruelty. He sees the harshness. He sees the people getting shot in the street. He sees the broken families. He sees the broken households. And he's concerned. Guys, we serve a God who is concerned. 
He's concerned about our suffering. He's concerned about us growing up without a father, growing up without a mom, uh, growing up with a mom who's addicted to crack cocaine, okay? He's concerned about those things. He sees the injustice. He sees the chaos, and he's concerned about those things. And so he comes to Moses, and he's saying, I know what's going on. I hear their cries. I see the torment. I see the cruelty. And you know what? Guess what? I'm going to do something about it. I hear their cries, and I'm going to send somebody to deliver them. I'm going to break off the oppression. I'm not going to let this go on anymore. And then here, um, God is telling Moses, I'm going to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt into a spacious land. You can go to the next slide, Oscar. We're going to pick it up here in verse 9. And now the cry of Israelites has reached me. The cries of all these people that are experiencing the pain and the suffering, it's reached me, God is saying. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, everybody say, so now. Go. Everybody say go. Everybody say so now. Go. Go. All right. So God, you know, he sees all this chaos. He sees the oppression. He sees people being hurt, people suffering, all of this injustice happening. He says, I'm concerned. He says, the cries have reached me. He says, I'm tired of this. I I hear what the people of Israel are going through. I'm going to do something about it. So he looks back at Moses in this encounter and he says, so now go. Do we all understand that here in this place? The people of Israel are suffering. They're going through all of this turmoil. And God looks at Moses and he says, okay, all of this is happening. Now go. Get up. Go. I am sending you. We all know that there's so much injustice in the world. I try and talk about it whenever I preach and point it out. Guys, there's there's a lot of violence in Chicago. There's a lot of corruption in our city, a lot of broken households. There's there's so many things. We don't need to be convinced that uh, we live in a broken world, do do we? we? We all get that in this place. However, God's way of dealing with it, God's way of responding to the cries of a mom who, is, who, who just lost her son to a gang, gang shootout, okay? God's response to these different atrocities, people being abused, right? These, God's way of responding is looking back at you. He looks back at us in this place, and he says, okay, this is what's going on. This is the chaos that's happening. This is the injustice that people are suffering. So get up and go, and I will send you. See, God wants to do something about it. He's concerned. He wants to reach out to these people, but he's looking for people he can choose that are willing to go and do something about it and be the answer to the oppression and be the answer to the suffering. Oh, well, in my school, they're always swearing and cursing and people are sleeping around having sex with each other. Man, I just want to chill over here. I don't want to get involved with any of that drama, man. It's so annoying. It's so bad. It's so crazy at at my school, in my neighborhood, in my house. Well, then God looks back at you and he says, yeah, it is. I hear about it all the time. I hear their cries coming up to me. So here's what you got to do. You got to get up and you got to go and I will send you. Now, I love this encounter and the time frame that God chooses Moses to get up and set the people of Israel free. Remember in the earlier verses, we were looking at how Moses was in the wilderness. He was flocking sheep, um, you know, tending tending his flock and all that stuff. Very normal, very average, everyday stuff. Nothing special going on. Well, what's interesting is Moses was actually an Egyptian prince at one point through a long story where uh, the Egyptians were trying to kill all the firstborn and, uh, or the male children. And then, um, you know, uh, what, what, what's the story? It's, it's, very, it's very elongated. Um, it, it, Moses ended up escaping that by being found by an a, a Egyptian prince, the Egyptian prin- uh, or princess, I should say. Uh, the Egyptian princess found Moses, uh, took him un- uh, under her wing, kind of protected her from the uh, attacks of the Pharaoh, and basically Moses was kept safe in this Egyptian palace, and he was raised up there as a prince with all these privileges, right? Uh, at one point, Moses actually was a pretty awesome guy who had a lot going for him. He had a lot of privileges. He had a lot, he had a lot of rights because God rescued him out of the, uh, the, the situation that was happening with the, all the male babies being killed and, and all that stuff. He ended up in this Egyptian palace. And uh, long story short, he ends up losing that because he sees how the Egyptians are treating the Israelites. And because he is still Jewish, he's still an Israelite, he sees that and he's like, wait a minute, that's not okay with me. I know I I grew up here in the Egyptian palace. I'm grateful that you saved my life, but you can't do that. And in the middle of this one encounter, he sees this Egyptian taskmaster, this kind of, you know, yeah, this this master, Egyptian master. He he sees him beating up an uh, an, an Israelite. 
And so this Egyptian is beating up an Israelite, basically beating him silly to death, and Moses steps in and says, I can't let this happen. And so he ends up killing the Egyptian taskmaster, saying, hold, hold on, I can't let this happen anymore. i got to do something. So he kills off the Egyptian, uh, and once that happens and the Egyptians find out, they, send, they, they, they you know, go on a search, on a, on a hunt for Moses. They said, okay, you're done. We, we're going to kill you now. You can't do that. You're misbehaving. And so basically, Moses loses all of that stuff, gets driven out of Egypt, and, and, and is, in, is in hiding in the middle of this wilderness, in the middle of nowhere, this, this once Egyptian prince um, who, who was Jewish, who got rescued from this whole situation, uh, who had all these things going, he grew up in the palace, is now in a wilderness, is now in a desert, um, herding sheep, really having no purpose, no destiny, kind of washed up. He's probably about 40 years old at this point. He's not a young guy. You know, he doesn't have his brightest years ahead of him, okay? He's in a wilderness in the middle of a bunch of sand and caves and rocks. And you could say he, at, at that point, he, his life was pretty much over. You know what I'm saying? He didn't really have much going for him at that point because he was in hiding. He couldn't go back to Egypt. You know, he was afraid that they, they would know who he was and all that stuff. So here he is in this wilderness, just minding his own business. Very unlikely person, just, just doing life. And all of a sudden, God comes to him out of nowhere and says, I choose you to deliver a nation. See, God picks the most unlikely people at the most unlikely times. God has a habit of choosing people that are washed up, that don't have a lot of direction in their life, that don't exactly know where they're going, that aren't necessarily the best fit for the job, that aren't the brightest, that aren't the smartest, that aren't the most intellectual. Don't get me wrong. He can use those people too if they want to be used by him, of course. But throughout history, we see God picking these unlikely characters out of nowhere. A man who was once a prince gets washed up, is now in hiding in, a, in the middle of a desert, watching sheep. God comes to him instantly and says, I choose you. You're the one I want. I'm sure there was a lot more stronger, charismatic, gifted, talented Israelites that could have led the people of Israel out of Egypt. But God says, no, 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 I want you. I choose you. Get up, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh now. And we're about to see just how qualified you could say Moses was for the job in a moment here. But I just wanted to point that out, guys. God chooses us in the most unlikely of times, and he uses the most unlikely of people. So moving on here. In verse 10, it says, so now go, I am sending you to, the, to, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God's confident. He's excited. I'm choosing you, Moses. You're my man. You're my guy. I'm going to use you to set the Israelites free. This is going to be amazing, Moses. You're going to be on a roller coaster of a ride. You're going to have fun. You're going to see all kinds of crazy miracles, seas splitting. It's going to be amazing, Moses. Verse 11, first thing that comes out of Moses' mouth is, but... <laughs> says, but Moses said to God, next slide, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God just gets done with this whole monologue of how he's seen the oppression, he's seen the, the suffering, he's concerned, he's ready to act, he's ready to do something. And then he says, Moses, I choose you, you're the one I want, go and, and, and go to Pharaoh and, and, and drive, you know, the, 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 set the people of Israel free, take them out of Egypt. And then Moses looks back at God at this news, at this information, and he says, hold on, hold on, God. Slow down. Hold on a second. God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Hold on, God. Do you know what you're doing here? Like, I know you're God. I know you're the creator, but, but who am I? Why are you choosing me? What, what's so special about me, Jesus? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Verse 12, and God said, I will be with you. There's no mission that God has for us where he will not accompany us. God always goes with us on the missions he has for us. He, he always goes with us when he wants us to do something for his kingdom. When you preach the gospel, when you evangelize, when, when, you, when, you, when you're praying and, and interceding for a family member, God is with you. He goes with you. You never do God's business alone. You never stand up for Jesus alone. He's always by your side. He's with you. So God isn't going to send Moses out to do these great exploits without being with them. God already knew that, but he had to clarify that to Moses. He said, Moses, don't worry about it. I'm going to be with you. I know this is going to be hard. You're going to see a lot of crazy stuff. Okay, okay, that's fine. But here, let me just make it clear. I'm going to be with you on this journey. I'm going to be with you as you go to Pharaoh, Moses. Don't worry about it. I will be with you. 
As a matter of fact, this, this will be a sign to you. I'll even give you a sign, Moses. This will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. So Moses is saying to, or God is saying to Moses, look, I'll be with you and I'll even give you a sign. I'll prove to you that I am with you, that I'm, I'm, I'm the one sending you out here. You don't got to worry about it, Moses. I'll prove it to you. Look, on this mountain, you're going to worship me. There you go. That's your sign. You'll see it. I'm with you. Boom shakalaka. Amen. So then moving forward, you would think that's enough. Okay, God's with me. He's going to prove it to me. He's going to show me the sign. Okay, awesome. Great. Thank you, Lord. But unfortunately, that's not enough for Moses. Verse 13, Moses now has another question. First he said, who am I, God? Why are you choosing me? Now in verse 13, he says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Next slide. Now Moses is asking, well, okay, say I do go. All right, God, all right, I'll, I'll play along with this. Okay, say I do go and uh, do what you want me to do here. And, and, I, and I go to the Israelites, I tell them I'm going to set them free. Okay, well, who, who should I tell them sent me? Like, well, what, what? They're going to ask me these questions. They're going to be like, well, who, who's the name of this person that, that told you all this stuff? Okay, well, God, who, who, do, I, who do I say? What, what should I do? 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of, next slide, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Verse 16, it says, go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and I have seen what has been done to you in Egypt and I have promised to bring you up out of your, next slide, out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Those were the people that were living in this land God was about to bring the Israelites into, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. God is trying to assure Moses that he has everything under control. The Israelites will listen to you, Moses. Just tell them this is the name. And it's interesting to point out, God is willing to put his name on, on what's happening here. He's willing to put his name on it. He's willing to back up Moses with his own name. Tell them my name. Tell them I am the one who sent you. I'm not sending you on your own, Moses. I'm actually going with you, and my name's at stake here. Tell them it's me who's sending you. I am who I am. The elders will listen to you, Moses. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, the Lord, next slide, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So God is kind of giving him a, a sneak peek of what's going to happen in the future. He tells him, look, Moses, uh, you're going to go to the king of Egypt. You're going to tell them that uh, you're going to set the people of Israel in, uh, onto this three-day journey. But uh, at first, you know what? He, he's, uh, he's not going to listen to you. You know, after you tell him these things, he won't listen to you. And he, and he won't listen to you unless uh, there's, there's miracles that happen, okay? So God's kind of letting him know, okay, they're, they're, this is what's going to happen. He's, he's not going to listen, but after I do some miracles, then it's going to change the situation, and, it, and it'll all be good. God is trying to reassure Moses that everything is taken care of. He's already thought about everything. He's already thought about every possibility. Well, what if the king uh, doesn't like it and changes his mind? Oh, I already thought about that, Moses. Don't worry about that. I'm already going to take care of it. Just go to him, say this, say that. Verse 18, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless the mighty hand compels him. So this is what God's going to do. It's like, okay, this is, this is how Pharaoh's going to respond. So, hey, this is what I'll do. This is God talking still. So I will stretch out my hand and I will strike the Egyptians. Next slide. I will strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. After I do these wonders, Moses, he's going to let you go. Verse 21, and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed towards, towards this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman, next slide, uh, living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and so you will plunder the Egyptians. I don't know if you caught that there, but God is telling him, hey, when you leave, you're actually going to take all the gold and silver that the Egyptians have, so you won't leave empty-handed. Think about all the ins and outs that God has thought of. God has presented to Moses a flawless plan. God has chosen Moses, 
And after he chose Moses, he said he's, he's, he's backing him up in every possible area. Any and any and every possible outcome, God has already thought of it, and God already took care of it. You're going to leave, um, you know, with gold and silver. You're not going to leave empty-handed. You're going to plunder Egypt. The the, the Pharaoh's going to let you go after these certain many signs. So God's already thought of everything. God already has everything taken care of, right? We all get that in this place, right? Am I being clear? God has everything taken care of. So just imagine Moses. He's hearing this. Okay. Um, you know, uh, okay, God, you're going to do this, you're going to do, okay, uh, you're going to the Pharaoh, and then uh, we're going to plunder each, oh, okay, sounds like a pretty good plan. Sounds like a pretty foolproof plan, Lord, sign me up. I don't got to worry about anything, right? Well, unfortunately, that's not how Moses responded. Next slide, chapter 4. Then Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? See, after God went through this whole kind of speech Telling Moses exactly everything that's going to happen, everything he's going to do, the fact that um, he's going to back him up, he's going to be with him, um, there's going to be signs, he's going to prove to him, all this different stuff that God's trying to prove to Moses, still Moses answers back to God, well, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me? God, I I know it sounds like you have everything pretty down packed. God, I know, I know you're God. I know you created the universe. You know, you're very smart. But, but God, you know, what, what if they don't really believe me? Well, I mean, did you think about that? I mean, did you think, Lord, that, like, well, what if they don't listen to me? God, did you, did you factor that in your outcome? I mean, I don't know, you know? Moses is still insecure. He's still doubting God. Despite all the evidence, despite all the things that God is trying to do to show him, he's with him, Moses is still doubting God. Moses is still saying to himself, I, well, what about this? What about that? I, what if they don't believe me? At this point, God probably has the right to smack him and squash him into oblivion or something, but God is very patient with Moses and keeps talking to him. But guys, do we all see how stubborn Moses is being? Despite God choosing him, telling him he's going to be with him, telling him he's going to back him up with signs, Moses is still arguing, going back and forth to God, telling him, no, but what about this? What about that? Moses answered, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't listen to me, God? What if they say the Lord didn't really appear to you? Because I guess God didn't think about that, right? I mean, Moses has a point, right? God didn't really think about it. He forgot about that part. So Moses has to remind God, well, what about this, that, and the other? Okay, well, verse 2, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? There's a few ways I could interpret this. If it was me talking to Moses, i just look at him. And look at some random object he has, and it's like, okay, I'm just going to blow your mind right now with some random object. Okay, what do you got in your hand? Let me just prove to you, Moses, I'm with you. This is for real. So he looks at Moses, and he says, okay, what do you have in your hand? A staff, he replied. Next slide. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. I mean, I'm just saying, maybe there's some theological deep you know, concept hidden in the, 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 the ancient Hebrew or whatever, but I just think God's having fun with Moses at this point. Throw a stick on the ground, it's going to turn to a stick. Do you need any more proof, Moses? Come on. So the Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Next slide. So Moses reached out and, he, and, he, and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to you. Okay, the Israelites, when they see this, this is so that they will know it's me. They'll know that it's for real. They'll know that this is not a joke. This isn't some fairy tale stuff. It's for real, Moses. Here you go. Here's a sign. It's going to turn into a snake. Awesome. But hold on. God's not done. Next slide. Put your, oh, thank you. Um, verse 6, then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his, his hand in, inside his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It became white as snow. So basically, then God did another kind of sign miracle on top of that. God told Moses, okay, put your hand in your pocket, in your kind of your, your side pocket coat or whatever. And he puts it in there, and he pulls it back out, and his hand is like, you know, filled with like disease and everything. And it looks disgusting, like some kind of sci-fi, you know, effects and makeup and all that stuff. It looks disgusting, right? Leprous like snow. And so that's kind of freaky. He's like, okay, cool. And then he puts his hand back into his cloak. Um, Next slide. So he puts it in first, takes it out. It's like, you know, disgusting, white, leprous, diseased, all that stuff. Then he puts it back in his pocket, pulls it back out. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. So it's kind of like a little switcheroo trick. God, that, that, another thing that God gave Moses to prove to the people of Israel 
that it's for real. And God's saying, look, I got you. These are the signs. Do this, do that. They'll believe you. They'll listen to you. Verse 8, then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. Okay, so some, some people might not believe the first sign, but okay, they'll believe the second sign. Okay, God, got it. Sounds good. Awesome. All right, Lord, they won't believe the first, but they'll believe the second. Okay, that's it. That's it, God. That's enough. Sign me up. I'm ready. You're going to be with me. You're going you're gonna to prove to me that, that this is for real. All right, got it, God. I'm on board. I'll do whatever it is. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Fortunately, well, hold on, wait. God has some more to say here. It says, but if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, so if they don't believe the first two signs, if that wasn't enough, okay, here's another one on top of that, okay? Uh, if they don't believe the two signs, take some water from the Nile and pour it into the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, oh, well, before I get there, so God gives him two signs, and if those two signs don't work, then he has a third sign, right, a, a, an extra one. Just to, if, if all else fails, do this last thing. Pour blood or pour water on the dry ground, and it's going to turn into blood. Okay, awesome. That's it. There it is. They'll, they'll be convinced, Moses. They'll listen to you. They'll know it's me. In verse 10, then Moses says something else to the Lord. He replies back, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. Hold on, God. Let me interrupt you for a second. Let, let me stop you right there. Okay, that's great. Three signs, blood on the ground, um, all of that cool stuff. All right, awesome. But, but what about this, God? Did you think about this? Uh, your servant uh, has never been eloquent. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past or since we have even been speaking and have this, have been having this conversation. I'm not an eloquent guy. I'm not a flashy guy. I'm not this fan, you know, person who knows his words and is very intellectual. I'm not that guy, God. You got the wrong person. Neither in the past or since we have spoken to you, I am slow of speech and tongue. See, Moses actually had a speech impediment. He wasn't the best speaker. He, he, uh, some people have said that he's, he's had a, a problem stuttering. So he was very slow in his speech and, you know, probably had a hard time talking, right, and, and you know, making, making sentences or whatever. So that was his difficulty. That was kind of a disability he had grown up with ever since he was young, as if God somehow forgot about that or whatnot. But he, he looks at God and he says, look, I, I have this disability. I'm slow in speech. I'm not eloquent. God, I'm not qualified. Lord, you have the wrong person. Why are you telling me to uh, release the people of Israel if I have all these things wrong with me? Clearly, God, you messed up. Clearly, you, you missed something somewhere along the line. I'm slow of speech. I can't do it. I'm not qualified, God. I'm not qualified to reach these people. I'm not qualified to reach my school. I'm not qualified to preach the gospel to uh, the people in my cafeteria. I'm not qualified, Lord, to do this. Verse 11, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. Now everybody say, now go. God is saying to Moses, I don't care what your excuses are. I have clearly backed you up in everything. Now just go. What excuse do you have? What excuse do you have for not just getting up and going? I've given you every possible thing you need per, per, to perform signs and wonders. I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm going I'm to help you. I'm going to do all these different things. Just get up and go. And I think in 2018, guys, we need to understand. If there, there's, there, we could come up with a million excuses of why we're not qualified to serve Jesus, why we don't want to live for God or whatever. But God is saying, look, just do the thing. Just get up and do it. Just evangelize. Just win your school to Jesus. Just preach the gospel. Just step out of your comfort zone. Just get up and go. God has proven to Moses that he's with him. He doesn't have to do any more. The only issue is Moses keeps making excuses and, and coming up with all of these different things. And God says, look, I made the mouth I made your brain. I made all these other components. Just go. The next, the next part of the verse, it says, I will help you. I will help you speak, and I will teach you what you have to say. God's even willing to get to this point where he's even going to give Moses the right words to say. Some of you guys don't want to preach in your school because you're afraid you won't have the right words to, to talk to the atheist or the agnostic or the Muslim. Oh, well, I don't know enough, so I'm just going to stay quiet and not say anything. But God is saying, I will teach you what you need to say. Just go. Just go to them. Go up to that to person. Muslim. Start talking to them, and, they, and, and I'll give you the words you need to speak. 
I'll teach you. I'll show you. There's no excuses, guys. God is willing to do everything that, 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 that could even be imagined, that could even be thought of. God is willing to do it all. All we have to do is get up and go. God is choosing each and every one of us here to do amazing things. The excuses are irrelevant. Stop making excuses. Just get up. Obey God. He'll back you up. He'll do everything he needs to do to make it work. The only issue is you have to get up and go. And Moses had doubt in his heart, and he didn't want to get up and go. And he had unbelief. And he was arguing with God because he couldn't think that. He thought God, was, God, God got the wrong person. He, God somehow missed it with Moses. He, he somehow mixed something up, you know. And God was just kind of fumbling around and, and stumbled upon Moses when he was actually lo- supposed to find somebody else. And Moses is arguing with God about how unqualified he is. Moses is arguing with God about how he can't do X, Y, and Z. When God is saying it's not about what you can't do, it's about what I can do. It's not about what you cannot do, how unqualified you are. It's about what I can do and how qualified I can make you. God qualifies the unqualified. It doesn't matter how weak you feel. It doesn't matter how weak you, you, you seem to other people. God's saying, I'll give you the words to speak. I'll teach you, and I'll be with you, and I'll back you up with my own name. Keep it on that slide, Oscar. If you can go back to that slide. After... God says all of that stuff back to Moses. Then verse 13, Moses still said, Moses said back to God, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. After all that God had said to him, after all the convincing evidence, after all the proof, after this conversation with God about how he will be with them, Moses, after all of those things, after all of those excuses, well, I'm not eloquent, I, I, I'm slow in speech, I, I can't do this, I can't do that. Even after God completely removed all the excuses, the issue wasn't if he could or couldn't, the issue was he didn't want to do it. And he said, Lord, please send somebody else. At this point, Moses didn't have any more excuses. Moses couldn't think of any other thing that he could tell back to God, but he didn't want to do it. And he said, Lord, please, please just send somebody else. Send somebody else, God. Now, God still uses Moses to deliver the people of Israel, but Moses forfeits his opportunity to let God speak through him directly. And instead of God speaking through him, he has to use his brother now. So God chooses uh, Moses' brother Aaron to speak all these things to Pharaoh. And instead of God getting the glory through Moses, of, of, of God you know, speaking through somebody who you know, wasn't intellectual and didn't have all these super gifts and talents, I mean, God wanted to show off through Moses. God wanted to show Moses how amazing he was, that he could use somebody unqualified. But Moses forfeited that opportunity and says, God, I don't want to do it. Please send somebody else. And God had to use somebody else, his brother Aaron, to give the, the directions and, and, and to speak through. And even after all of this, God was so patient with Moses, and God was just very gracious to him. And, you know, later on in, 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 the, in the story, God says that, you know, he, he, he spoke to Moses as a friend. So, Moses, or, so God loved Moses dearly. But this area that Moses had in his heart of insecurity regarding his speech, regarding how he talked, it stopped him from seeing God move in that area. It stopped him from seeing God use him. Just imagine if, God, if Moses would have said yes. Despite all of his issues speaking, despite his stuttering problems, despite his, his speech problems, his speech impediments or disabilities, imagine him going up to Pharaoh without anybody else around him and only the trust that he had in God with him. And he goes up to Pharaoh by himself and he says, through the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what God told me. I'm going to set the people of Israel free, right? Just imagine Moses' mind being blown in that moment. Wow, God, you used me. I couldn't speak. I wasn't qualified, Lord, but, but you gave me the words to speak as I was opening my mouth. That's so amazing. God wanted to amaze Moses' heart and show him how much he could do. But because Moses wasn't willing to trust God, he ended up missing out. And the glory ended up going to his brother Aaron. Again, God still used Moses, but it was Aaron who opened up his mouth. And God chose, to spoke, God chose Aaron to, to speak through instead of Moses. Because again, he said, please, uh, please send somebody else. If we can all stand in this place. Daryl, if you can come to the keys. The message is, is very basic. It's very simple, guys. God is looking for people who are willing to get up and go. 
And we can use a million and one excuses. We can use a million and one of excuses of how unqualified we are. We can give God an excuse of, well, we're not strong enough, we're not tall enough, we're not popular enough, we're not cool enough, you know, we, we, don't, we don't have the right words, you know, we're not educated enough, you know, we, we struggled in, in first grade math, we struggled in first grade English, you know, all these different excuses that we could come up with, but God is saying, don't worry about those things. I'm calling you to do some amazing things in 2018. All you have to do is get up and go. Stop making excuses. Stop doubting me and what I can do. I believe 2018 is going to be a year of us trusting God for some amazing things. What are you trusting God for? Jason was up here talking about how he's trusting God to save his school. Do you have a vision for what you want to to see God do in 2018, guys? Do you want to see your family restored? Do you want to see your mom and dad get back together? Do you want to see your, your friends come to Jesus? Do you want to see your, your, your relatives repent of their sin? Do you want to see your own self get delivered from doubt and unbelief? What are you guys hoping for? What are you guys looking for? Because God is willing to meet you right there and do everything you could even imagine and back you up. He says, I'll be with you. He said, I'll give you the words to speak. Guys, he is willing to do every possible thing. What excuse do you have? What excuse do we have in this place before a holy and mighty God? You know, the sad truth is, and I pray that this isn't the case with most of us here, but maybe it's that most of us are at the end of this thing and we're not even making excuses anymore. Uh, Oscar, if you could leave that verse up there. Maybe in our hearts, we just have this, 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 uh, this mindset of, well, God, don't send me. Send somebody else. God wants to use you. God's looking at each and every one of you, and he's saying, I want to use you. I want to show you how powerful I am. I want to show you that I can heal the sick and raise the dead and bring deliverance to people who are depressed and suicidal. I want to use you for that, but you don't even want to go, and you're asking for somebody else to do it. Lord, have mercy. Does anybody want to see God do miracles through them? Does anybody want to see God use them to save somebody who's lost and on their way to hell? Or are you like Moses in this place saying, God, send somebody else. Lord, I know you're going to be with me. I know you're going to give me the power. I know you're going to give me the words to speak. But God, I just don't want to do it. God, I I ran out of excuses. Um, I I tried thinking it was about this and the other thing. I, I tried making excuses about this area of my life. But God, you proved me wrong. Well, okay, God, I don't have any more excuses. I just don't want to go. God, I just don't want to do, I just don't want to evangelize. I just don't want to preach. I don't want to serve you. I don't want to see you do anything in my life, God. I could care less. Lord, send somebody else. Send somebody else. But here's the thing. God's gracious and he's patient. And despite different times us saying, us telling God, Lord, send somebody else, God's still willing to work with us and wait with us. And he still says, get up and go. There's two types of responses in this place that I'm looking for. Well, not not that I'm looking for, but there's two types of responses that can come about from this type of message. It can be one of, okay, God, I'll get up and I'll actually go. Okay, you're telling me to do X, Y, and Z. You're telling me I'm going to be a missionary to Africa and I'm going to pray for for the the orphans. Okay, God, I'll, I'll get up, I'll go, I'll do it. Okay, Lord. Or it could be, God, don't really care. Don't want to see you use me. God, I don't, even, I don't even really want to work with you, God. I don't, you're not even really in my life, right? I just don't, don't want to really associate myself with you, Lord. I just send somebody else, Lord. Don't bother messing with me. Don't bother talking to me. Don't bother uh, telling me what you want to do in my life. Send somebody else. What's your heart today, guys? Oh, if you could just get the amazing things that God... Guys, Moses saw the Red Sea split open. Moses saw... Uh, signs and wonders and plagues and all these different amazing things happen. Thankfully, he wasn't disobedient to God to that extent and he was still able to see it, but because he was still submitting to the Lord in these other areas, he was able to see God do amazing things. In this one area of of God using him to talk and open up his mouth and declare what what the the instructions God gave him, he, he missed out on that and he forfeited it. He gave it up. He traded it for something else for his own security. If we can all bow our heads and close our eyes.
Lord, I just, I just, God, I know you're calling some of us, God, in this place. Lord, God, I know you're choosing all of us, God. The sermon is called Chosen, Lord God. The reality is, Lord, you, 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 you choose all of us, God. You, you want to use all of us for your kingdom, God. You want to show us how awesome you are, Lord. You want to show us what you can do, Jesus. You want to show us, Lord God, how you can use us to bring life into the lifeless, Lord. But God, it's up to us whether we want to see you do that in us or not. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come in this place, Lord God. Begin to touch us, God. Talk to us, God. Show us what you want us to do, Lord. Let's just invite the Holy Spirit in this place, guys. Leaders, I want to encourage you. Just start speaking in tongues right now. There's amazing destinies and purposes in this room, but they will never come to pass if people don't want them. Devil, we bind you. We bind doubt. We bind fear, Lord God. We bind discouragement. We bind unbelief, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I ask you that not one destiny, God, would be wasted in this place, Lord. That what not one purpose would be wasted in this place, Lord God. There's pastors in this room, Lord God. I pray that those callings would not be wasted, Lord. God, I pray that these youth would not waste their calling, Lord God. Would not waste the things you are telling them to do, Lord. I pray that they would not waste their calling to be a dancer, to be a musician, to be a singer, God, to be a prophet, to be a pastor, a teacher, God, an evangelist, Lord. Let them not waste their calling, Lord God, for nothing. God, we're willing to go, God. Send us, Lord. We'll get up and we'll go. And we'll allow you to use us, Lord. come in this place, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come, Lord God. Bring revelation, God. Break it with revelation, Lord God. Destroy the lies, God. Destroy the lies that they could never do this, that, and the other, that they're, they're, they're not spiritual enough, they're, they're not perfect enough. God, destroy those lies, Lord God. Destroy the excuses of the devil, Lord God. Release faith in this room, Lord God. Faith to answer the call, God. Holy Spirit, come God, more God. our calling God in 2018 Lord we don't want to throw another year God Lord out the window to worthless things God to friends who don't even care about us Lord God to relationships that are going to end in a week Lord God we don't want to throw 2018 God to these petty things that are worthless Lord God we want to throw our lives to you Jesus because we know that God when we give our lives to you God you're with us Lord God you use us, Lord God. You bring life into us, God, and you use us to bring life into others, Lord God. You have plans to prosper us, God, to give us a hope and a future, Lord God. It's only found in you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Just want to open up these altars right now. If I can have uh, Jackie and Joby come up. If you guys want prayer, these, these leaders will be here at the altars to pray with you. But for everybody else, if you just feel... Now pull on your spirit to come up. You want to respond. You want to tell God in this place, God, I'll go. I don't want to waste my calling, God, on, on nonsense. If that's you, I just want to encourage you. Come up to these altars. Just ask God for vision. Ask God to show you what, you, what, what, what God wants to do with, through you and in your life. So if that's you if, you, if you want to tell God, I'm willing to go, God. I'm willing to answer the call. I just want to encourage you. Come up to these altars. Come up to these altars. These, these altars are open. If you want to say, God, don't send somebody else.